It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. And welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 95.7 in Ottawa and 106.5 in Toronto. And you can also be listening anywhere across the country if you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM. Follow the directions. You could be listening on your device of choice anywhere across the country 24-7. And if someone is outside of our listening area and you think they might enjoy our programming or some of the interviews that you're hearing here on uh, Moment of Truth and Element FM, please let them know and they can do so as well. In the studio with us is Nathan Adler and Christy Smith. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and pronounce <laughs> the middle name. <laughs> you want to? How how do you say that one? Miskinodinque Smith. Okay, thank you very much. And it's a pleasure to have them both here, uh, because they are here as uh, co-editors, uh, co-editors on a book that they brought together, which has some very very powerful and interesting stories that have a a great theme which they discover through putting this together. And if I have the name pronounced, is Bawajigan. The Bawajigan, yep. it's Stories yep. of Power. And I believe, um, uh, Nathan, you uh, you said that that name is translated to mean vision or dream yep. in uh, the, the Anishinaabe language. Yep. Great. Um, so why don't you tell us, before we get into some of these stories, which we'd like to, can you guys tell us a little bit about uh, how this how this idea came to be to bring this bring this together this book together with all these great stories. I had published uh, with XL a few stories in some of their other uh, anthologies, which mm-hmm. are all kind of like speculative fiction themed. Yep. Um, so I had a relationship with the publisher, and they knew my work, and then they asked me to um, uh, pitch some ideas for an anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, uh, but it seemed like a lot of work to edit an anthology. So I was like. I said, like, hey, Christine, you want to come help me, like, edit this anthology? It's like, it's, it's, it'll be real fun. Like, so, uh, and uh, so she agreed. So then uh, we came, we did some brainstorming, mm. came up with a few ideas mm. and pitched them. And he, and the publisher liked them. So that's Now, it. if I'm not mistaken, in that process of trying to come up with something uh, of an anthology that you could put together for these stories, I believe it was uh, uh, one of your mums that actually came up with a, a uh, the idea of maybe putting something around the the idea of, of dreams. Yeah, because um, so when we were trying to come up with an idea, like we were just like throwing out all these ideas, and um, we were just we had lots of ideas, mm. but we, but the, my mom was like, "Why don't you do it on dreams?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's a good idea." <laughs> so it was my mom who actually <laughs> told me, "Do it on this," right. and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, no one's done that before." So. Yeah, right. As I remember, you, yeah. you started to look that up and, sa- and found out that nobody had done that before, yeah. which was kind of cool and I guess uh, a, a bit of a, a, of a win for you guys because uh, that gave you a, a direction to work in. So now you've gotten that far. Uh, now you've got to find the stories and you've got to start researching this stuff, yeah. I'm guessing, and, and looking at some of these things. Yeah. So I'm sure that was quite interesting and perhaps even challenging to come up with the, the stories that you ended up pulling to put into this anthology. Uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> it was very, um, it was challenging, but it was also exciting at the same time. Yeah. Because we gathered quite a few submissions that were really strong, and it was kind of hard to put aside the ones that we didn't think fit. I mean, I would have loved to have everybody in it, but of course you can't do that, so we just had to pick the strongest ones. So does that mean maybe a part two? Uh <laughs> We're actually working on, we're going to be working on another anthology um, called Kin, which is mm. the, means the land. Mm. So that's like part two of our possibly three anthologies. Right. So, so can you guys take us a little further into the idea of, of you started to look for, uh, for stories r- somehow related to this idea of, uh, of dreams or visions but I'm sure that, you know, there are as many uh, writers as there are ways of interpreting that kind of thing. So what, what kind of criteria or what did you look for when you're starting to look to, to choose the stories? Well, the, the theme's pretty broad. Like, mm. dreams is a pretty broad mm-hmm. subject. We wanted to make it pretty easy for people to kind of approach the subject. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really want to tell people what um, stories, like, what, how to 
tell or what genre even because mm. it, it's it, it's just speculative a lot yeah. of the stories yeah. so they're like uh fantasy sci-fi horror yeah. um elements of the surreal those kinds yeah. of things um but um so, so we just picked the stories we liked really so we had an open call for submissions on submittable mm-hmm. uh so we got a lot of stories and then we also went out and asked specific writers to hey send us your work kind of thing that we we liked their work and we wanted them wanted their stuff in our anthology so that was the other way and then a few we got we liked but they just didn't fit the theme and mm. uh, but we're like oh well we'll keep you in mind for another the next anthology yeah yeah so you know the interpretation of of some of these things i i kind of liked in in sort of the setup of this is that the idea of of sort of how the the dream world and reading kind of blend into each other and they sort of uh, in many ways cross over because when you're reading something you're, you're kind of you're drawn into this. You're almost like in a, in a dream in some ways, right? I think uh, one of you guys had mentioned that in the in the opening, or it was mentioned somewhere. Yeah, I I think I talked about that a little bit. Just the similarities between like becoming immersed in the story and um, uh, entering a dream state kind yeah. of thing. That that uh, um, how it, how it carries you away, and you kind of like yeah. That this, there's like s- similarity between that creative space and uh, and you're unconscious, maybe because your unconscious mind is working out issues and things in your daily life, in your dreams, and then maybe that's a way of doing it through a story and, t- and telling a story. You can do it in your, through, through your creativity as well. So. And, uh, and when did the book launch? Uh, December 3rd. And, uh, of course, uh, people can find this in, uh, where, can they, where can they get hold uh, of the book? Amazon, Chapters, um, they can order directly from Exile Editions. Right. Local, local um, bookstores local might book carry stores. it. You can order yeah. it from any yeah, yeah. bookstore. Yeah. yeah. Now it's a, a fairly good read. And it's a fairly thick read. There's a lot of stories, some longer, some shorter, of course. Uh, what's interesting is that uh, uh, the shorter, some of the shorter stories are, are some of the more powerful and more potent. Uh, they get right to the point. They're very, they're, you know, and it's it's really good reading that way. And you have some great uh, people that have that have taken part in this as well, right? You mentioned yeah. that. Uh, you want to you want to mention some of the some of the authors that, that you were able to get hold of? I specifically asked Lee Miracle mm. because she's been a mentor for both of us. Okay. Um, she was actually one of our teachers. Well, she was my professor at the University of Toronto mm-hmm. when I was there for my undergrad, mm-hmm. and she was also a part of um, the Banff Writing Resi- Residency that we took part in that both of us took part in in two thousand eleven. And she's also like a huge name in the industries. Yeah. I mean, so I was like, I had her as a teacher in, in at UBC for one course too, and uh, so in the so, summer residency. Yeah. So and and in Banff too. So she's a me- my mentor as well. So she, we both look up to her. <laughs> we're, we're really happy to have her work in the anthology. And she was she was just very like I I just thought that having her included in it would be like a. A huge honor to have her. Well, we thought it was it would be an honor because she's not only our mentor, but she's also a trailblazer. And Katie Jo Rabbit was also in the the residency with us in Banff, mm-hmm. and uh, we we really liked her work too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we specifically asked her to submit because mm-hmm. uh, we were like, "Hey, Katie Jo, send us some of your work." All right. Jo- my Joanne Arnett is a, a mm-hmm. colleague friend of mine, so mm-hmm. I, we we asked her to submit. Uh, and Michael knew Richard, so he he solicited Richard's Richard Van Camp's work. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had actually has two stories, yep. and a couple of couple writers I know from the writers program at UBC. So right. David Geary and Wendy Bone are both mm-hmm. writers I know from taking courses at UBC. Yeah, it's great. You've got that great cross section of people that you mentioned. And uh, speaking of Lee Miracle, we've we've had her on the show as well. Yeah. So. Um, it was great having her on. Um, she doesn't pull any punches. She's yeah. <laughs> she have it straight on when yeah. you're talking to her. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but but you know it's great to have uh, great to have her work as you mentioned. Um, now it, you know I thought it was like you said uh, the stories, and it's really interesting. The stories pull on different things uh, that you don't necessarily uh, uh, see coming at you. You know. Um, 
and I, I'm sorry I can't remember the the, the exact story, but you know there's, there's one well the beaters, I mean the beating story, um, and I, I really liked how y you know that he pulled he pulls on that beating and ties that in uh, to the story because I'm not mistaken. Oh yes, it was the beating, and he was he was sitting there watching <coughs> television, and he would usually watch these films that were on uh, martial arts, and it was a way that that it was described as. Uh, as uh, to ease his his eyes and and uh, and brain for um, uh, from headaches, so that he doesn't get the eye strain of beating and doing that that close up work. But it, it's the again, it's the way these things, uh, just like dream and reading, it's just like the the way that in not uh, I use the beating as an example, but it's only one of the ways that we see uh, things things blending into each other. I think there's another story that uses music in that way as well uh, that kind of creates those uh, foggy areas of between reality and, and what's happening and you're, you're wondering are are you reading is, is this person actually going through this or are they dreaming this and I think several of the stories touched on that very thing is would you guys uh, agree with that uh, definitely I mean a lot of what we experience goes through our dreams and what we experience outside of dreams intertwines with what we're dreaming about, I guess. Mm. I think Kitty Joe's is the most that that has that, like, is she awake, is she sleeping, kind of, uh, that plays with that kind of uh, uh, tension. Uh, her, I think her story had that, a lot of that going on in it as well. And which story was that exactly? That was the first one, uh, White Buffalo Woman. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that was that was that for sure, and that was uh, whew. Hmm. There was another one uh, where the the woman was staying at the Y. Which particular one was that? That was the first was one. That yeah. one? Yeah, that was okay. It. That yeah, was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, and it has those really visceral, like surreal, yeah, things, and you're like, this is crazy. Is it yeah. real? <laughs> is this? And, uh, and it just leaves you in that uncertain state, which is has a nice uh, tension to it. Yeah, and it and sometimes you you know. You're you're waiting for because some of the stories start off very naturally. You're just reading the story, and then all of a sudden it it flips, and you're going, "Okay, have I been reading? Is is this all been coming from a dream state, or is it now just taking me off to somewhere else in 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 the uh, in the dream world?" And there's some some beautiful stories. Now uh, you mentioned that one, uh, and I think it was the Nathan, the story about uh, the, the truth between us. Uh. That's uh, Richard Van Camp. Yeah, the R Richard Van Camp one. Yeah, I think Brittany. Yes, jo that's Brittany that's Johnson's also has some of that tension where, um, where you're not sure. There's like these these really visceral kind of like hallucinations almost, and yes. then you're like, oh, is she awake? Is this? Yes. And then the, it blends into like the after, uh, like the spirit world, and yeah. then and there's like the blending between like, like, uh, dreams and. Uh, and the spirit world and, and then reality, and you're not sure which level of reality you're in. Um, mm -hmm. If you're, like, putting reality and the, and the dream world and then the spirit world on different planes of, like, consciousness, and they're all given equal weight, and, like, and they're all equally real, they're just different states of consciousness or whatever, then, um, then they would all... Uh, you could play with those in really interesting ways, and I think a lot of these stories do that... Uh, so. Yeah, I just want to let everyone know that you're listening to Element FM, and this is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. I have two guests in the studio. They are co-editors of Bawajigan, and that is a story of power uh, and also a story of uh, that is interprets the name uh, to vision or dreams. And uh, Nathan Adler and Chrissy uh, Smith are here. They are the co-editors of this book that you can find at almost every bookstore. You can order it online as well. It's uh, got some great stories. You can find also, uh, you know, uh, something about this online so you can get a sense of what's in it. Uh, it's very worthwhile. There's a lot of great uh, authors that have contributed to it. Some of those people that we've mentioned already, uh, Lee Miracle and Richard Van Camp, just to mention a couple. Uh, there are a uh, total of how many? How many authors are included in this? You know, just off the top of our head. Uh, Wendy Bone. You've got uh, Joanne Arnall. You've got uh, Kathy Smith. You've got uh, a lot of people who have contributed this. Some great stories. And uh, 
You know, one of the stories as you were talking, Nathan, just before uh, I, I introduced the... A 18, I think, authors. So, and, and the stories as we talked about, some are short, some are long. <coughs> um, there was, there was a, the one story where you were talking about that dream. And it, it started off with, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry, I don't remember the name. You'll probably know the story I'm talking about, where uh, it was the guy being confronted by his father, who he said was probably drunk. He felt he was going to kill him. And I believe he throws him down the stairs, and at that point, oh. everything gets everything gets suspended, and it's like he is uh, he's floating and he's waiting to hit the ground, and it's almost like the whole story is taking place between that time of when he's suspended in the air and the t time he hits the ground. I, I thought it was a really interesting. He talks about. Uh, he, he alludes to a cartoon where he says, uh, I feel like Wile E. Coyote suspended in the air. And I thought that was pretty pretty cool because all that, from then on, it's all this discussion about am I dead and what's going to happen to me. To, I'm waiting for him. He's waiting for to hit the ground. And I thought it was a really interesting way to to take us into that. And, and you know, again, suspend time, you know. It's really interesting the way stories can do that. They don't have to follow, like, linear... Mm -hmm. uh, they can slow down time and you can have the, um, like a lot of stuff happen in the space of like seconds. It can become this giant universe. And, um, reminds, I think there was a movie where there was like a bus falling and then it was just like, <laughs> it reminded me of that a little bit. But then, um, there's also a book where it takes place all on an escalator and the entire novel is just like one guy's journey on escalator so there's like ways that stories mm -hmm. can distort time and yep. they can become really great spaces yeah and it's of course uh important to mention that these stories uh just like any a film or or a song or any work that is created it could be painting whatever it might be um well paintings are, are a suspension of time i guess in many ways as well uh but when you when you we should realize that this is coming out of you mentioned imagination i think and that's where this all starts, is in our imagination. Uh, it's then those, those things that come to us in imagination, going back to the dream or going back to you know, these kind of things that, that, we, uh, that are not in our physical world. They're, they're things that live outside that we bring into the physical world that we can then read or, or see or listen to or experience in other ways. Now, uh, that Richard Van Camp story, that was quite powerful. Uh, because um, that was, is, I guess, is, it, it's about what I, what I really thought was interesting is because it's about a, a very real situation where uh, some women are calling upon um, a Wendigo, someone that they are bringing forward to deal with a situation which is about missing, murdered and missing women and a, a way of trying to deal with, with that and, and wanting to have the Wendigo stop this from happening and finding the perpetrators and, and dealing with them, eating them if necessary. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like a twisted, like super anti-hero mm -hmm. story that's kind of like taking like uh, an evil spirit, but using it to like do good. <laughs> yeah. Thing. And like yeah. bringing, inviting that spirit back and putting it to work. And, and you know what I thought was interesting is that, that even it's the description of course of, you know, right off the top, it's a fairly grotesque uh, description, but powerful to bring you into the story. And and when they do finally uh, bring her uh, and are speaking with her, um, what's surprising is that they have this. They have a feast. They have the buffalo uh, ready, but she's still unwilling. She still really doesn't want to do it, and still has this. I just want to, you know, leave me alone. I want to go hunt of thing uh, do her own thing um but it's uh but they entice her more with some some of the things they've made for her and then they one of the young women that are there she brings on as a helper uh, eventually that she says they always have which is again interesting and it's the last line that really got me um of that line and i'm, I'm all i remember was that it leaves it le it leaves you with another question at the end of the story about what are you really what are you really seeing happening here and and what and who is who are the who are the real strong uh, helpers who, is this a helper or is this 
uh, uh, someone that will become perhaps she sees us as, as, as another a force that can be used to deal with the situation in the future. Any of the stories jump out at you guys that you, you uh, want to share for people that, that you think will give people a chance to, or something else to, to look at and, and want to read this book? Uh, yeah, Sutton Anderson's um, Linda Irene and Madame Bouvet. She mm-hmm. has um, a really cool story. It's right in the middle of the book, um, and it's the only one that has like a, a, a kind of illustration graphic element. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's um, the way it's written is it's um, basically the handwritten pages of a diary like mm. the entries um and that character is just draws you right in and 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 also the way that it's written they're like scanned pages of the diary so mm-hmm. um the 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 markings on the page itself become part of the story mm-hmm. like we didn't want to transcribe it and just put it in text we just okay all the marks on the paper all the little drawings they all become this like subtext for the character and it's a really amazing story as well uh gerald slicker pissimisqua ghost walk that Mm -hmm. story is a really powerful Mm -hmm. um a story of a residential school survivor kind of confronting their past Uh, and it's a it really uh it's a yeah very powerful story um david geary he's also very good um jumpers on both bridges Mm. No, that he's originally from New Zealand, right? He's, uh yeah. Yeah. So that was that was really cool to get his perspective mm-hmm. and 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 his story too. So I I mean uh, of course I recommend all the stories, so Yeah, no, for sure. They're all but, we like them, that's why we put them in the Yeah. Book. So uh, So uh, um it'd be awesome if everybody just read everything, read all the stories and There's also like some really good fantasy stories. Um I think uh uh, Sarah General has like a, like it's like an urban fantasy kind of like, uh, really interesting story. And then there's another one with the, the magician, the Haudenosaunee uh, wizard story, which was Kathy Smith's Medicine Walk. Mm-hmm. That that those two stories are interesting because one one's like high fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's set in the past, but it's 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 indigenous high fantasy. Mm-hmm. And and then the other ones like. Um, urban fantasy. So mm. like, and they both have this like snake theme mm. going mm. on, and they they really complement I- each other in interesting ways. So, um, so there was uh, also some themes that run through that you can take part. You see elements in one story, and they just like you're, you're like they're playing off each other, and, mm-hmm. and 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 in just completely random yeah. ways that feel almost intentional or too too coincidental to be accidents but it yeah, really it's, it's interesting you say that because i remember one of the stories uh had that line about uh, the dreamers uh you know and you mentioned snake i remember seeing that in there the snake dreamers and buffalo dreamers and and all these other list of dreamers that was listed in there um the other thing i want to mention is you you mentioned the story about the residential school and, and lee uh lee miracle's story is is somewhat on that, and I and I have to tell you that it 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 immediately uh, took me uh, to a place that was very familiar uh, because um, I had a I, I still have a business, but my business was set up um, in uh, the Woodland Cultural Center on Six Nations, and that of course is the old residential school, and I was not in. There's two parts Mushroom. to that. There's the mushroom, yeah. So there's two parts to that. It's the 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 um, the, the uh, museum part, which is the old school part, but the residence is actually the place where the kids lived, and that's where the offices were set up. And I had had space in there, and I was in there for over ten years. And I can tell you that that, so that, that those <laughs> those things that you were talking <laughs> that I get in there are, are stuff that that was very real in in terms of you know the spirit elm of things. Um, when they talk about the kids, uh, you know, um, in there, that was uh, that was a very real thing. So I can, you know, I, it, I, very, very, very real images came to yeah. me as I was reading some of these stories. That story was more about Cecilia Jeffrey Residential School, mm-hmm. the, uh, that specifically that residential yes. school, yeah. um, which is torn down and it's no longer there. Right. But I got it, the chance to uh, visit the Mushole. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and because uh, there was a the artist kind of took over the space, and there was art installations, and I set up some of my artwork mm. in the in in that school. So, nice. and I think that was the first residential school I've ever visited. But it, it, yeah, how was it like having an office there? For, like, did well, you think it was haunted? I thought it was like really haunted. Oh yeah, it was uh, quite something. I can tell you. So initially, when I got in there and I was cleaning up the space. Uh, one day, I, I literally had to stop and say, I'm here to help, and I'm not here to hurt. And uh, and uh, when I spoke with someone at a later date about that, a seer, they said that was the best thing you could have done. And uh, I can tell you that I never felt threatened, but I did have to sp- spend the night there on several occasions. And I did, <coughs> in fact, I mean, you, you definitely felt the, the presence. Uh, there was no question yeah. about that, but... But, you know, eventually we all had to leave the building because it was falling apart and the roof was leaking yeah. terribly. And um, now, of course, they're in the throes of, of rebuilding it and they're going to turn it back into a museum. Uh, they have that wonderful uh, uh, Save the Evidence uh, campaign that's on. I believe they've repaired the roof now. It's, a, it's a, like a multi-million dollar uh, renovation they're under. Yeah. And uh, it's great that that's going on. So uh, uh, it's been great having you guys in today. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to come in and talk to us about this book Wajigan, the stories of power, and it is co-edited by Nathan Adler and Christine Smith. We appreciate you coming in and telling us about it. And uh, you can pick that up at any bookstore. You can pick it up online. It's got some great stories in here, some powerful people in, uh, in the author end of things that have contributed stories. So uh, please, by all means, uh, look it up uh, online and at your local bookstore. Pick up a copy. Make good reading. Miigwech. Miigwech. You're very welcome, Nyawa and Miigwech, for coming in today. But don't go away. We're going to be right back here on Moment of Truth with more right after this. And welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Ottawa and Toronto. And don't forget, you can also listen on the Radio Player Canada app. If you download the app and type in 106.5 ELMNT-FM or 95.7 ELMNT-FM, you could listen on your device of choice anywhere across the country, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that means if you're outside of our listening area or if you know someone that is, they are more than able to listen as well. So if you think they might know uh, some of the programming they might enjoy, please let them know they can do so. They can also catch some of our previously recorded interviews that are put up on uh, uh, SoundCloud as well as on our website at elmntfm.ca. I'd like to welcome my next guest to the show. Jenny Blackbird is here, and she is the host of another radio program. Uh, it's called Indigenous Waves, and it's uh, at the U- University of Toronto radio station, CIUT. So, Jenny, welcome to the show. Dancy, thank you. So, listen, um, first of all, let's, let's uh, tell the listeners a little bit about how long you've been doing that show for. That show... I've been with the show since 2016, I think in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And then there's been a few changes in personnel. And so I'm a co-host and a, a co-producer. And what got you into that line of work to do so? Oh, well, long time ago, I was involved with community radio. I think mm-hmm. it was CHRY. And then on and off, I was asked to co-host other shows in the mid-2000s. And then I thought, I'd like to get back into community radio because I really enjoy it. Mm. And it was really kind of a nice transition back into that that space. Now, you said you liked community radio. What do you enjoy about community radio? I like how you can... You can really do a lot of things that you might not be allowed to do on commercial radio, <laughs> like make mistakes <laughs> and uh, and also have a lot of fun. And you I, you probably know like indigenous humor, like native humor. We have so much fun and we laugh a lot. Very yeah. true. And, you know, the other thing that is wonderful about uh, community radio and you alluded to this, it's it's just the, the ability to be able to have a conversation and talk and not have to worry so much about time or am I doing this the right way? Or uh, do I have to watch the clock? And what's my boss going to say? Kind of thing. <laughs> you have those, those kind of that freedom to just enjoy yourself and have a conversation with someone and, and enjoy the time with the guests. And, uh, and I did catch some of the, the conversations uh, that you, you did on, online with some things. And, I, and that's very much it. And, you know, I have to tell you that I worked uh, at Community Radio on Six Nations. 
And uh, I miss that element. Yeah. I do miss that side of things where it, it has that, you know, for lack of a better word, a sort of a laid back feel that you can just, you just can't get on the commercial side of things because it's always against the clock. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, we still have to do station IDs and of stuff course. like that, but it is, it is a lot more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, of course, the other thing that you're involved with is um, you're, you're an old style jingle dress dancer, I see. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so tell me about that. When did you get into jingle dress dancing, and what does it mean by old style jingle dress dancing? Uh, I I don't wear plumes. I don't have feathers. Okay. I don't have a fan. Mm. And the the uh, teachings that I've I've received that's what mm. that's what I I understand it to be. I guess um, that we don't have a lot of fancy adornments, mm. but I do have very special hair ties that were made by my cousin, my late mm. cousin's wife, um, mm. Kathleen McIntyre, and they're monarch butterflies. Oh, yeah. Because when I started dreaming about dancing jingle, that actually came to me in a dream. So I had to, I had to have those made. I had right. to sit with her, give her tobacco, and then I started dancing in 2012 and the dreams were coming in about 2010 so it was mm-hmm. quite a while and I had to really make sure that it was the correct thing for me to do because I didn't grow up dancing mm-hmm. powwow mm-hmm. and also I'm not Nishnabe, so I was mm-hmm. thinking mm-hmm. like that's a Nishnabe style dress mm-hmm. and you know the teachings from what I understand it's like from the uh, Lake of the Woods area and I'm Nehio from uh, Treaty 6 from Kihu and Cree Nation. That's where my family's from. Mm-hmm. So I, I was really like trying to think like, is this correct? Right. And I talked to some friends of mine and I talked to an elder and they were like, no, I think clearly you're, you should be dancing jingle because I kept having dreams. Mm. And so when I made, I made my own dress and I had some guidance and then I was going to go back home to Kihu and to dance it out, but I had um, an accident and I mm. had a concussion. Oh. So I was really worried, you know, it was minor, it was a minor concussion, but I was like, oh no, I can't, I can't go. And my auntie, I called her and she's like, you grew up in Ontario, just dance there. And so it, it kind of felt <laughs> together. And I went to a Mosoxing um, because mm. one of my friend's family is from there. So mm. I asked them and I asked the powwow committee mm. and I gave them a gift and I asked them if it's okay to dance on their territory. So this year I haven't done much because I do have... My knees aren't so good. Mm. So mm. so um, I have to take it easy and right. I may have to shift to uh, women's traditional, mm. you mm. know, because I'm in that grandmother stage as right. well. Right. Like it's, you try and think of what's appropriate and mm. what are the things sure. that you need to bring to the powwow right. and also also for self-care because if I kept dancing with my knees, yep. I might do more, more right. damage. Of course. And it's very hard work. Like it's... Yeah. Um, not only physically, but when people give me tobacco, it's really it's really important for me to stay focused. And people tell me very devastating mm-hmm. things that are happening to of themselves course, or their yeah. families. So they ask me to pray, and I keep that quiet. And I and I, you know, put the tobacco in the fire after, and then it's done. And I don't we don't reveal what the people are asking no, us to pray of course, for. Of course yeah, not, yeah. And of course, for people that don't know, and I'm glad that we were able to talk about this a little bit, being jingle dressed, because it is a healing dance. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, speaking of dreams, it came to a young lady, if I'm not mistaken, in a dream itself. So uh, you're not far away from the original concept of of why the dream or why the dance came into be. Uh, Now, what I I wasn't familiar with, though, was the idea of this being, um, when you said, uh, uh, you know, old style, because of course, the whole thing about the jingle dress is the jingles, yeah, and and that um, y- you know that was that was also part of the dream, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, that's interesting to me to learn that. So yeah. for people that don't know, uh, when uh, w- you know when Jenny's talking about uh, being given tobacco from people, that's what happens at powwows. Is that jingle dress uh, dancers come out on the powwow, and and they are then asked if anyone has something that they would like to offer uh, to the to the dancers and for the, for you to dance on their behalf and uh, it's a wonderful thing it's it's yeah. beautiful and it's beautiful and it, and and in the difference too is if people don't know that contemporary style they have very obviously beautiful regalia mm-hmm. like beautiful dresses so they may be a little more flashy and have like sequins mm-hmm. or or beautiful just different beautiful elements to it that make it a little more 
uh, like bright and their footwork is a little different and so it's by you know it's it's really great if you do get to go to a pow if you've never been to one and you mm-hmm. see the difference and also I, I from what I understand with old style we don't go backwards either we only go forwards mm. in our footsteps but mm. when you look at contemporary right jingle yes they go backwards and yep. they do these really cool right. moves they do a lot of really great footwork right. so a lot of a lot of um, old style there's many different ways that people dance and you can see the footwork is closer to the ground mm. so i'm I not i'm not doing that just because i'm i'm older and move <laughs> slower but <laughs> it's trying to think trying to think very carefully about my steps because that's the, i think we should all be doing that anyways and, and also that sounds very close to the uh traditional women's style of dancing yeah because they are not supposed to leave the ground yeah right? So, yeah, they, they move slower. So I, I may be moving into that, but I need to I need to go consult with my my mm. family or uh, elders. So I think that's important too when we when we really look at like why we want to dance and mm. who we talk to about dancing. Mm. So those you know, and I started dancing later in life. I was like four. I was I was forty two mm. when I danced out my dress, and I was mm. like, ooh, is this you know? Am I mi- did I miss out on a whole bunch of stuff? But I think. I I was where I was. Yeah. And that's okay. I think the fact that you did it at all is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so congratulations to you on that and, and having done that. Um you you also are your your part uh, the other side of your heritage is, is Finnish. Mhm. Yes. Um do you see any kind of connection or or similarities between the two cultures? Do you, are you familiar with the both both cultures? Hmm. Um Finns are very well, at least the Finnish Canadian people I know are very. Um, I don't want to. Uh, I'm trying to think of a word. <laughs> very uh, to keep to themselves in a mm. lot of ways. Okay. Um, so maybe being introverted. Mm. Um, maybe the maybe maybe the fact that some Indigenous people are guarded. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a mm-hmm. similarity. So you you feel. You don't right away feel like oh everyone's warm and welcoming, mm-hmm. but there are several different reasons why. Right, but I right. think Finns are very practical, yes. and we just get things done. Okay. And I like if if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I, right. I'm not going to waffle. And if I don't want to do it, I I find the nicest way to say mm, I can't or I don't want to. Sure. And I you think you see a lot of indigenous people who really get things done because. Right. How often and how long can someone be told no or be told not to mm. when they're just going to pick it up and go, you know what, I'm going to do it? Mm. Because there were so many laws that were against, like mm. the Indian mm. Act sure. put so many laws against Indigenous people from doing things. So it's nice when you see someone, you know what, I'm going to become a lawyer or I'm going to become a radio broadcaster or I'm going to start a business and be a cook or a chef. Or So I think determination and strength, like, and the Finns have a word uh, sisu, which is kind of like, from what I understand, it's like a special kind of stamina, and I definitely have that. Um, that's that's definitely <laughs> like um, not stubbornness, but I'm just gonna do it. Right. And then also being a strong Cree woman, it's mm. it's don't mess right, with me. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I will protect you. I will love you, but don't get in my way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see also from the list, and this makes sense from what you're talking about, is that you're also a hand drum singer, a uh, drummer and singer, and multidisciplinary artist. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so tell us more about that. So I do a lot of different things. I do a lot. I do acrylic, painting. Mm-hmm. I like sketching. Um, I'm really big in the last couple of years on memes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, I have a friend of mine, Gibwanasi, who he he taught me where to go to get the best meme apps and then I make memes. Mm. Um I have like a little bit of a comedy page, like a Facebook, Twitter, oh, yeah. um, called Funny Quay. And then I do some beating and that's a very that's a very interesting thing art form for me because I have to think about what's appropriate. Sure. Because I don't want to appropriate somebody else's style. Right. So I wouldn't be doing like Haudenosaunee style beadwork right. and passing it off as my own. So I right. have to really think carefully about what I do, how I represent myself, and just being being thoughtful. Mm. And so a lot of things I do are like just self-expression. I do a lot of beaded poppies, mm. the beaded poppies, oh, because yeah. my, my late Muslim, uh, David John Sr., he was a World War II vet. Yep. And so he... He was stationed in Italy and he was yes. in the Netherlands. So when he came back to Canada, he he dealt with a lot of what many 
indigenous veterans went through, uh, not getting a thank you, not mm-hmm. getting their pension. So when I make those, I really think about him and all the other veterans that really had to fight to get their rights and just to get a thank you for mm-hmm. doing what they did. And years ago, I think it was 2015, I did a, a mosaic art piece because my, my partner, uh, Mike, is was, is was a canoe builder. And so we went to visit a friend of ours who were, who lives up near Perry Sound and he has had these canoes in his, his lawn and there was an old, I think it's a 14 or 16 foot cedar canvas canoe and it was all damaged and it was all like this beautiful wood. So we washed it and oiled it and then I applied um, white tiles on it to kind of represent birch bark like the look of birch bark like if, if it was ripped off mm. and then i i referenced the two wampum and i thought about the the haudenosaunee canoe or boat mm. and then mm. the the settler boat the dutch boat mm-hmm. and i wanted people to look at that canoe and think about what has been taken from mm. indigenous people mm. so it was like very sparse there's not a lot left but then when you look inside i put medicines in there i put jingle cones i put uh, medicine pouches I put cedar I put I put I I hid things mm. to represent what our families had to hide mm. Mm. and what they had to retain in secret right. so that yeah. once all the you know the potlatch ban was lifted and the laws were changed now now people can share these things freely and my cousin uh, Melvin my cousin Melvin and his wife Rosa John they have a family full of um, amazing artists, dancers, singers, very talented. And so their daughter, Beanie, is a real, like a really awesome hoop dancer and a grass dancer. And the first time I saw Beanie dance hoops, uh, I cried because Rosa narrated while Beanie was dancing and said, you know, the people had to hide their traditions and like hide in caves or do these things in secret upon, you know, being persecuted, being put in jail. So I was crying, thinking, wow, isn't it great now that we can just dance and celebrate in public and share that? Mm. Yeah. Oh, that, what's, what a great story. And, and what a, so are there, are there pictures online of this canoe or anything that, that you did with it? Uh, I did put some up on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I can probably revisit those. I can send them to you. But they, that was, and I called that, piece our canoe okay. like I did it collectively right. like even though I know the two sure. wampum was specifically yep. between two nations mm-hmm. I just wanted to expand and say like this is what our our collective indigenous mm-hmm. population went through in right. many different ways right and the poppies did mm-hmm. I see something online about those um, maybe I did. The beaded poppies. I know I saw something about some beaded poppies. Yeah, so. there's, I, I may have posted some. I also used to work at the Royal Ontario Museum as a, as an Indigenous knowledge resource teacher. Mm-hmm. So I did bring poppies into the First Peoples Gallery. Okay. And people would ask me about them. So I would, I would be able to tell the story of my, of my grandfather. Mm. And Still, a lot of indigenous people, non-indigenous. Still, a lot of non-indigenous people do not know the story of of our veterans. Yeah, they don't. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Uh, we here at Element FM uh, do something special every uh, Veterans Day to commemorate that and, and try to get as much information out about that as possible. Yeah, and it's good to see that that in that regard, some things are being done to lift uh, the stories and tell more about the contributions of indigenous people mm-hmm. uh, that fought on behalf of Canada. Yeah, and I just found out recently that my late grandfather was part of the Code Talkers. Oh, wow. Pre-Code Talkers. Yeah. Probably something he couldn't t- talk about. No, they weren't allowed to. They yeah. weren't. So my cousin posted on Facebook a picture of him and said, wow, so glad he was part of that. And I went, what, what, wait. So that's yeah. another thing to think of. And mm-hmm. to, and my auntie always told me, you know, think of him. And there's here's some other veterans' names that I want you to think about when you're dancing. Yeah. You're listening to Moment of Truth on Element FM. Uh, I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is Janie Blackbird. Uh, she's the host of Indigenous Waves at uh, U of uh, University of Toronto at CIUT. And uh, it's a pleasure talking with her. We've been talking about some of the other things that she does, like jingle dance and some of the other arts and, and multidisciplinary uh, uh, work that she does. Um, 
however, uh, that's that's not all that she does. She's a coordinator at the U of T as well for the Indigenous Studies uh, uh, Language Initiative Program. And how long have you been in uh, the coordinator for that? That's Jane? been about three years. Okay. And it's it's known as Jimon uh, Kahuya Kayak. So it's three different types of Indigenous boats. Because the program started about 10 years ago, it was like more of a peer learning a peer learning and, and peer grow, like growing language skills uh, initiative. And then it used to be called just Jimon. So Jimon mm. is the Anishinaabemowin word for canoe. And then it, they wanted to expand it to include other languages so they could bring in, uh, you know, Ganyageha speakers or mm. Inuktitut speakers. Mm. And so I just coordinate events. Like I'm not fluent, which it's hard. It's, yeah. it's definitely hard to... Especially when I know bits and pieces of Anishinaabe Moan and and Cree, mm. um, but I try my best to bring in uh, Cree language bingo, Anishinaabe Moan bingo. Um, we're having an event in January with uh, in, uh, immersion storytelling, mm. so that will be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And uh, is that going to be in multiple languages as well? That will just be Anishinaabe Moan. We okay. have um, Albert Owl. He's a Anishinaabe Moan. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's from yeah he's from Sagamuk, mm-hmm. and he's also a speaker and a teacher. So he he will come in and he only speaks Nishnabe Moan. Right. And then he asks at the very end of of the storytelling, "Can you tell me what the story was?" And right. more often than not, you can because he does actions. Sure, he does um, little drawings. Right. Yeah, so it helps you understand. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's wonderful because I can't think of an easier way to introduce yourself. Um, as they say, the best way to, to learn any language is to immerse yourself in it. Yeah. So without those aids uh, where your brain has to focus right. and it's forced to learn things just from what they're seeing and what it's hearing, uh, what a great way of doing that. Mm-hmm. And when will that start? That's that's going to be at the end of January, and those are those events are always open to Indigenous Studies students from U of T, mm. um, any students from U of T, and we also invite Indigenous community and anyone from the public. There's been people who've just seen the listing, they show up and they have a great time, and there's also people who are wanting just to understand um, linguistics, mm-hmm. and that sometimes is very very tricky because I'm not from the linguistics side of things. I just, I'm from our community. And so it's nice when, when someone from the linguistics department or somebody who, who knows, knows the little bits and pieces, they can go, Oh, that's what, Oh, I see how that works. And then when you just have a speaker, they just, they just speak, Mm -hmm. they just tell you and they just tell you how the verbs work and how the language sounds and how you do plurals and It's it's and sometimes when they break down a word, it's it's mind expanding, and it just you just have to sit with it for a while. Like when somebody explains a simple what you think is a simple word, exactly right. Yeah. Like even like the like the word bidabin, it's like the break of dawn, break of day, and there's a teaching about that and about right. how like just before the sun rises, everything goes quiet. Mm. You know, so it's like there's little things that, that right. the, the the speakers or or elders that come in they share with you. Mm. And is that uh, any way documented these things, or is it just the event? You got to be there for it and catch it, or else um, you miss it. Kind of. Yeah, thing. be there. <laughs> yeah, and some people might take photographs or write notes. Right. Like there's a sure. lot of, but I think something does get lost in note taking. Oh, for sure. And I think yeah, like you said, being present is the most important thing, and then just listening, and then. Repetition is good, even though it might mm-hmm. drive you batty. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I got to shout out my my Cree language teacher, Christopher Hunter. He's from Pewanic, and the first four months of our class, all he did was teach us syllabics, mm. and everybody was rolling their eyes and going, "Oh, I want to learn how to say hi. How do you do this? How do we? <laughs> how do we tell somebody off?" Right? And he's like, "Nope." And he would pull out a sheet of paper and he put it in front of you every class. Mm. And he said, trust me, you will be thankful. The end of term, almost everybody got 100% on that syllabics chart mm. because he asked us to read two syllabics a week, two syllabics a week, and then he would get us to write the chart out. Mm. Now I can read syllabics. Like if you show me, I right. can read it. Right. I know the sounds, but 
I need more vocabulary. Yeah. So every it's a challenge for me to read and say, oh, sure. that's what that word means. But but that would also help you put when you see those Slavics in words yeah. to help with the pronunciation at least. Yeah. And it's interesting. And also yeah. too, it's like the the James Bay Cree, the Western. There's Western, mm. and then there's like Plains Cree. There's a final, a little dot. I don't know if you know how some of the syllabics look. Mm. There's a little dot in in some dialects. It's behind, and then in other dialects, it's before. So you really have to like scan everything. And go okay, that's in uh, that's right. James Bay Cree. Sure. Oh wait, no, that's that's th dialect. So you have <laughs> to really. Like and th dialect looks different. They have a different um, syllabic. They have a different sound, but or that's a Y dialect. So it's very. Once you start to understand, then you can, you can start working more on, on learning more dialogue. Mm. Yeah. And is it only language programming that you deal with there, or are there other things that you guys do as well? There, uh, well, we do some cultural, cultural events as well. So we did. Uh, a few drum socials mm. and we invited Eagle Heart, uh, Marie Gaudette and Jimmy Dick and mm. their family. And that was really great because people from U of T can come in and see what, what what's a drum social. Mm. And then Jimmy will talk about a big drum. And, right. and then uh, one of my other favorite things too was bringing in Aztec dancers mm. because those mm. are our relatives from the South. Sure. And I have family members that are married to men from the South, and there's that eagle in the condor prophecy. So I wanted to make sure that we had a, a few events that, that honored that that teaching and that prophecy. So it was really nice to have a room full of people just like holding hands and and really connecting, because I think that we need more solidarity. I think we've always needed it, but it's it's important for us not to shun our relatives if they're not like from our territory like it's oh yeah you know when you sure. say oh i can't go to that because those people are not you know from ontario it's like you're gonna cut off a lot of people and you're gonna miss out on a lot of opportunities to mm -hmm. really make good friends and my relatives when they go back you know to mexico and they they live there for a bit anyone from the north who comes there they open their doors and they say come in and mm. they really welcome them so it's like it's relationship building right and there are some other cultural things that, that uh, you know, we may share. Like we have hand drums, and we have um, uh, last. I think last year we did a a water. Uh, there's World Water Day, so we we sang water songs. Mm. So those those are little things that we do. Right, uh, Jenny. Also, you were the recipient of the Culture Keeper Award in 2016. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Yeah, and that was the, the Menake Award from mm. uh, Native Women's Resource Center, mm -hmm. and I was I was really honored by that, just because just because like it, I think it's really important that everyone in our community we honor each other, because there's so much there's so much hurt, there's lateral violence, there's a lot of competition in certain ways, and I think it's better when we actually look at each other's strengths mm -hmm. and we say you know what, that's really cool that they're doing that and I want to honor you. And, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't any, you know, there wasn't any monetary behind it. Mm. You know, we, we got a nice plaque and mm. it was just nice that someone honors you by nominating you. Sure. And, and there was a lot of really great people at that same year that got, that got honored for like uh, youth work and mm. uh, two spirit mm. advocate advocacy. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, so, as as we mentioned, you you co-host the show Indigenous Waves at uh, CIUT, and that's at eighty nine point five yep. FM um, at, at the University of Toronto. Uh, you co-host the show with so with uh, Jennifer Sylvester and Sandy Wemmeglass, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, so we we just try to share the share the duties, and Sandy makes a lot of playlists, and then mm -hmm. Jennifer's learning the board. Mm -hmm. uh, she's they've already done, the, and we don't have a as much <laughs> as you right, have here but it's i'm really proud of her because i i had to i'm i've entered into my master's course for masters of urban indigenous education mm -hmm. so i got an email and i went oh, oh i've got to start this course in two weeks because i didn't know what day it was mm -hmm. so i had to say who wants to learn the board <laughs> and jennifer i made her youtube videos and i said this is how you which one buttons and so i'm really proud of her that she just did it and so i I 
take a little bit of a step back mm. for for you know the days that I need to go to my class. But mm. I'm there for holidays. Like I'm there all all uh, December, mm. which has been great. It's like putting on a nice old comfy pair of mm. slippers mm-hmm. and. Oh, this is wonderful, and we can make mistakes again and sound silly, but it's great because the the shows are archived, mm-hmm. and we can download them and listen right. to them later. So yeah. a lot of what I do is I listen for what I can improve, yeah. because I think the first the first little while there was a lot of ums <laughs> and you know little little vo- like vo- like noises, and I'm like, mm. all right, I have to remember not to be like, uh, right. Because that doesn't it doesn't make for awesome radio, but <laughs> once again, it's community radio, and like you can laugh at yourself. You have to keep yourself humble. <laughs> mm. Now that show airs on Mondays at six p.m. Yes, so people can tune in. What kind of things do they would you usually hear on the show? Uh, we try and play a lot of music. I mean, obviously, Good. obviously, we have to have CanCon regulations, which isn't a problem mm-hmm. because there's a lot of amazing amazing indigenous music sure just from here yep. even just from toronto yep. um and then playing international like i went down to new zealand for the native american and indigenous studies association conference the nasa conference and so it was nice to go down and hear like maori music mm. and then like of course the next time I was on the radio, I was like, we have to play some Maori music. <laughs> and then, you know, guests can come in and request things. So sure. we have a gentleman from Australia who's like, here, play some Archie Roach, play these mm. people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we have people, guests call in. So people can come into the studio or they can call in. Um, and we talk a lot about um, arts events, um, different, different events that happen. Mm. Um, may, maybe... A lot of personal stories too, mm, because right. every Indigenous person has their own perspective and their own experiences. And some some people may get targeted, followed in stores a lot more sure. than someone else. Yep. And so we have to raise that up. And and also like talking about who who's who's supporting who. Mm. And a friend of mine was our our co-host was saying like you know in academia it's like our our who is represented in in higher positions and how do we brown up the academy like how do we get more <laughs> more dark-skinned Nietzsche's in there right and she's like it, and how many people actually hold the door open and how many mm. people actually hold it and go come mm. on come with me instead right. of like oh well I'm in this cushy position now right. and I can't right. I can't do anything no you can do a lot you can advocate and you can invite the the people that have the smarts because I can name you five indigenous female doctors on one hand that live in Toronto and on the other hand, and now I'm counting on my toes because a lot of female indigenous doctors are like doing such good work and maybe people don't hear about them out outside of academia. Mm. Mm-hmm. So to try and uplift these people right. and then they should be uplifting the next generation. Right. Nicely said. <laughs> uh, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to just wrap up by saying you also host the Women's Hour on Saturday mornings as yeah. well. Um, uh, and I guess that's just about women's issues? Um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's on Radio Regent, and that's an online uh, radio okay. station. Right. So you can tune in, just look for Radio Regent, and that uh, I have also been trying to take more of a step back because mm. I need to concentrate on my studies next right. year. I can't be worried about you know, oh no, who are we going to have on the show next week or what's going to happen? Right. And that's the same thing. It's like a, a nice community radio, right? Mm. So we have um, Marita and Cafe who are going to be taking over for producing and and hosting mm. and also the teching side so I can I can do my reading. But it's, it's good because I want more perspective from different women. Sure. Because it's been, it's been a lot of like just right now for me, uh, speaking on my experience, but also bringing in as many different female guests, like entrepreneurs or artists, on the show. So that's and that's why, like, wide open. Like, right. I want, and I also want to uh, invite, you know, trans women, non-binary folks, to spirit folks, because I I feel that there's not a lot of space. And if I want to be a good ally and a good host, I could step back and allow that space to be given 
So that's my other hope too, is that some more people will be involved and we'll, maybe we'll have a couple of different hosts. Great. Nice to hear that. And congratulations on all your accomplishments and uh, all your best in, in your studies as you go forward as well. Thank you. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and having you on the show today. Jimmy Gwetch for coming in. Thank you. Hi. Thank you. And that is uh, Jenny Blackbird. She is the host or co-host of Indigenous Voices at CIUT, the University of Toronto, 89.5 radio. You can catch her on Monday evenings at 6 p.m. And that's the show for today. Thank you for listening, and thank you for everyone that helps put this show together here at Element FM. I'm your host, David Moses. Until next time, onigiha.